Welcome to Mining the Truth with Ray Sturdivant. Thanks for joining us today as we continue wrapping up our series on The End Times Prophecies. Here's Ray. Hi, I'm Ray Sturdivant. We're studying The End Times, and I am here with my good friends John Lay and Danny Jacobs. Welcome, fellas. Glad to be here. Thank you. We are continuing to do a summary of The End Times, and we have gotten ourselves all the way to the rapture. So... Uh, just wanted to jump into the rapture a little bit and uh, kick some of these ideas around and just kind of a, a recap on the rapture. We won't find the word in the New Testament, but we find the concept there. So just because the word rapture isn't in there doesn't mean that the Bible doesn't teach it. And so I believe it's it's definitely covered, and we're going to look at a few passages that talk about it. First one's First Thessalonians 4.16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we always be with the Lord. So that's pretty evident uh, of that concept being there. Another, 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. And I love the different analogies as well of Christ and the marriage and the the bridegroom coming for the his groom that's awesome i mean that's definitely a picture of the rapture yeah that that that's exciting stuff mm -hmm. that's the rosy view you don't hear very often <laughs> i'm a rosy yeah he's a he's a, a rosy view john he's a glass half full guy so we <laughs> right. like that uh so there's also there's four but really four major different views of the rapture the first is uh pre-tribulation where the church is actually raptured are caught up to meet Christ in the in the air before the tribulation begins. That one's not covered in the Left Behind books. That one is covered. <laughs> Excuse me, that one is covered, yes. yes. And then there's the mid-tribulation where the church is removed or raptured in the middle of the tribulation. So the tribulation is seven years, three and a half years in, the church is raptured. There's a post-tribulation view that at the end of the seven years, the church is raptured. And then there's a pre-wrath view, which we'll delve into a little more, but it's just that the church is removed before God's wrath is poured out. So the first point we want to take, we're only going to look at two of the four views. That's the pre-tribulation view and the pre-wrath view. And so mm -hmm. I grew up let's go there. You know, I, my, the denomination that I attend and, and as far as going to church, we've always been pre-trib and known as pre-trib. So and the first argument that we always learned about being pre-trib is that we are not going to receive God's wrath. Christ did that for us, right, Ray? I mean, mm -hmm. he died yep. on the cross. Yeah, I think he, that's how I grew up, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I did, too. And, you know, it's uh, I don't disagree with that. Right. <laughs> you know, and it's pretty obvious, you know, John, if you want to read. Yeah, that the verse, verse. Yeah, the one of the verses that we always mention there is First Thessalonians five nine. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, He paid the price; He took God's wrath for us. Absolutely. And uh, I'm going to play kind of uh, some counterpoints here mm -hmm. that the opposing view from a pre-wrath standpoint mm -hmm. is 
they're actually in agreement with that verse. How can you argue with it? <laughs> yeah. It's just the, the discussion becomes then when is God's wrath poured out? Mm-hmm. Uh, the pre-wrath view believes, which is the view that I take, is if you look in Revelation, there are seven, bowl, seven seals. And if you look at a seal, just like a chapter in a book, so it's, it is telling you the events as these chapters open up, and God's wrath is not poured out until the seventh seal. And so the first six seals are pretty clearly Satan's wrath. It's not God's wrath. It's Satan through the Antichrist running around reaping havoc, and also the, all of the weather, all of the just, it seems like all of creation is in turmoil because of what Satan is doing. So the pre-wrath view believes the first however many years of the tribulation are Satan's wrath being poured out, and it isn't until the seventh seal is open that God's wrath is poured out. Well, what about the argument about Noah and Lot being examples of the rapture? You know, in Scripture, it says in the New Testament, you know, Jesus talking about the days of Noah and Lot and how they were saved out of uh, those those days, uh, kind of likening them to the rapture. Uh, do you believe then that um, that's not a good example of, of uh, the pre-trib rapture? I think it's a great representation of the pre-trib view. I just don't agree with it. <laughs> so, you know, if you look at the the examples, uh, Lot was uh, removed before God's wrath was right. poured out, mm-hmm. and so that's consistent with a pre-wrath view. And so the church, you know, is removed from uh, the situation before God's wrath is poured out. And it speaks specifically of his righteousness, right? Yes. Yes. Yes, it does. And Noah, same thing. Noah is actually saved uh, through God's wrath in a sense, you know. So pretty consistent. It's just the timing, I think, is the big issue. You know, pre-trib kind of takes the point of view that the seven years of tribulation is God's wrath is being poured out. But I think clearly from Revelation... It isn't until that seventh seal. If you remember in Revelation, it says there's silence in heaven for about 30 minutes. It's because of all of the the seven bowls of wrath and the mm-hmm. seven trumpets. That's all at the end. So, well, what do you say to those people who you know they look, they say, Ray, pick up your Bible, go past Revelation four. You're not going to see the word church mentioned at all. So therefore, the church must not be a part of the tribulation. Correctamundo, the church isn't mentioned by word, but it's implied through other uh, verses. And we're going to take a look at some of those verses right after we take a break. You've been listening to Minding the Truth with Ray Sturdivant. If you have questions or comments for us, you can email us at ray at miningthetruth.com. Also, we'd like to ask that you take a minute and prayerfully consider supporting this ministry. And if God has prompted you to do so, just go to mindingthetruth.com and click donate. Thanks again for listening. Now back to Ray. So we're talking about verses that imply the church without using the word church. So just wanted to read a couple of them. Revelation 14:9. Then another angel, a third one, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand. He also will drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger. 
and he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Here is the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandment of God and their faith in Jesus. Who is the church? Those who believe in Jesus. So I think several verses we could keep going, mm -hmm. but um, just feel like the church is mentioned after four. Well, what do you say about those verses that, about the unknown hour? You know, Christ said that the day no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. He said that in Matthew 24, 36. So if the tribulation is taking place, isn't that sort of like a marker or a timer then that we could say, hey, it's got to be soon. This is it because this is already happening. The tribulation is occurring around us. Right. And I, I believe that Jesus is making those statements to prevent things like what we just saw very recently of someone trying to time the rapture in the sense of, you know, it's going to happen in 2010 in September. You know, I think that is what he's addressing. Once the events start, I think he wants us to know. If you look very closely at Matthew 24, he says, I can't remember the exact number, it's three or four times, he says, don't be caught unaware. And he, talk, he makes a comparison of an olive tree, and whenever it puts out its shoot, he wants you to know the seasons, he wants you to know what time you're in, and to not be caught unaware. So we can't time it in the sense of sitting here today without any events that line up going, I believe in 2018, you know, Jesus is going to return. That's what he's addressing, in my opinion. Once the events start, he wants us to not be caught unaware. I think he's also addressing the idea that you, you know, you've, you need to be in the Word. You need to know His Word. You need to know these things. Mm. I think so, that's a great point. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of more the you know a twofold thing. You know, he's saying don't be caught un unaware. In other words, keep your eyes open. But also, in order to keep your eyes open, you have to be in the Word. You have to be prayerful. You have to live the you know the Christian. Uh, disciplines, if you will. Absolutely. And I, th I think it's a great point. And he talks about in Matthew 24 that there will be false messiahs, you know, and they'll say, he's coming over here. Don't believe it. Yeah. And he, and he points you back, not to that you won't know. He actually points you back to the seasons and the times so that you know what time frame you're in and to not be caught unaware. And we'll just read from Matthew 24 and verse 32. Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near right at the door. So I'm not, uh, I, I just don't buy the argument that we're going to be, we won't know at all. It's to prevent false messiahs and people trying to predict it. But once it starts, we're going to know the seasons and the times, and hopefully we won't be caught unaware. To Danny's point, we'll be studying and in the Word and living life the way we're supposed to. Well, what do you say about the proponents of pre-tribulation uh, pre rapture that say that before the Antichrist is revealed, the Holy Spirit has to be removed? And, you know, if you read Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 6, it says, As you know what restrains him, what restrains him now, so that in his time he will be revealed. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Well, I've got a question. In Joel 2.28, let me just read that and then we'll kick this around. Uh, this is Joel 2.28 talking about the end times. It will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. 
and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. How is the Holy Spirit removed and poured out at the same time? <laughs> That's uh, a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't think the Holy Spirit is what's restraining the Antichrist. I've got uh, another view that would take too long to get into, but I don't believe it's talking about the Holy Spirit. It's very clear that a bunch of people come to Christ through the tribulation. So the only way that any of us come to Christ is through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Right. He's the one that uh, draws us, reveals, and enlightens our minds so that we can uh, receive Christ. So I, I just don't uh, believe that that is the case. Well, okay, what about Matthew you know, 24? Jesus is talking to Jews there, and many believe that the tribulation is a, tr- a time of trouble just for the Jews and not the church. I mean, how do you refute that? Well, if you look at who Matthew 24, who Jesus is talking to, he's talking to the disciples. These are the future <laughs> leaders of the church. So within a few months of addressing them. We are the church. <laughs> yeah. So within a few months, they're going to be writing Scripture. Well, they won't be writing Scripture in a few months, but they will. You know, Pentecost is going to happen. Uh, they're leading people to Christ. So I don't see where Jesus says to the disciples, because they're the one that asked the question, you know, what's, what's the sign of your coming, the timing of it? I mean, they're wanting to know. And so Jesus doesn't say, now, this doesn't affect you guys. This is just for the Jews. He answers their questions, and he tells them, uh, like we said, not to be caught unaware. So all of Matthew 24 that gives the timing of everything, I believe, is to the church. He's talking to the leadership of the church. You know, they're the ones that are going to carry the word to, you know, go to all nations and baptizing and making disciples. So I don't it's a very hard argument for me to accept that this is speaking to the Jews because he is talking to the leaders of the church. So that's where I fall out on that one. So that's all the time we have today, and we will pick this study back up again. I'm Ray Sturdivant, Mining the Truth. Thanks for listening to Mining the Truth with Ray Sturdivant. If you have questions or comments for us, email us right here at ray at miningthetruth.com. We welcome your comments and hope you'll join us next time for more of End Time Prophecies. 